Welcome to High Tide, Low Tide, the podcast where we talk about all things mental health and where we share our stories with the knowledge that it could just be the lifeline of hope for someone who is hurting and afraid that they're the only one. I'm your host, Lisa Scanlon, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. Just a little reminder here, guys, that we are discussing mental health in this episode, so we may touch on things like suicide or self-harm, which may be a trigger for you. As always, I'll pop resources in the show notes or know that you can call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hey, guys, and welcome back to High Tide, Low Tide. I cannot explain how excited I am right now to be recording um, with a guest in my kitchen studio for the first time in months. Um, You will have listened now to my previous episode that came out where I gave you a little bit of a life update about all the things that have been going on. Um, And now we're back on track and we're back in the studio and I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest, whose name is Regan. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. And we're very excited. So um, Regan has joined me this evening on a school night after work um, to come and have a chat to you guys. So um, would you like to just give us a little bit of information about who you are and what you do? Okay, so yeah, I am Regan. I am a recent business owner. Uh, I've started my own salon. I am a mum of a 16-month-old little girl, Avery. Mm-hmm. Um, so cute. I'm also a stepmom mm-hmm. and, yeah, wife to Ryan. Mm-hmm. That's really about it for now, I think. Yeah, well, that's good. Here's everyone a bit of an idea. And we're about the same age. Uh, yeah, so I, oh, I feel silly, but 37. I'm yeah, and I'm about to turn 36. Yeah, so same age. And you grew up in this area. Yeah, as yeah. Well. So I grew up in North Haven. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I went to, to like. Ocean View, yeah, Fever, Henley, so all along the peninsula. Super local. Yeah. <laughs> For any of the Adelaide listeners, they'll get that. Anyone who doesn't live in Adelaide won't get it, and that's okay. Um, so yeah, that's you know North Haven being about a what ten minute drive or so from where we are right now. That is right. Um, did we go to the same school? Um, Lef- did you go to Lafever? I went to Lafever for year ten. Yeah. Um, so that would have been, I think, two. 2001 yeah um but I think we just share a lot of mutual friends or (laughs) your friends and things like that so yeah this is the west side (laughs) yes absolutely it's funny because we're always like oh Adelaide's such a small place and you're always like one degree of separation from anyone (laughs) um but how's like today I was out at work I had my boss with me and she was visiting customers with me And we were at one of the cafes that I service and there was an older gentleman who was sat at the table and he noticed what we were doing with the coffee because I'm a coffee rep and he just wanted to tell us that he comes there every day and he really likes the coffee, which was lovely. And he had an accent. And so Sophie, my boss, she's from England and she's like, oh, I've noticed you've got a bit of an accent. And it turns out that they're from like the same town in England and I'm like wow like we go on about how small Adelaide is but like the world (laughs) is small like there's always someone that knows someone that you know somewhere in the world I swear (laughs) but anyway we digress (laughs) 
but you've just opened your own salon, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, just opened this month. Uh, sort of came out of nowhere, but it was just an opportunity I couldn't say no to. Yeah. So yeah, took the leap and crossing everything that it mm-hmm. turns out how we want it to, and I think it will. So exciting. Have you owned a salon before? Uh, no, I've been doing like a rented chair type yeah. scenario for about five years. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been good. It's sort of a good step into the sort mm-hmm. of ownership kind of world without all the uh, responsibility. Yeah. And now I've just gone, let's throw in some responsibility as well. So yeah. life's not busy enough apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but how exciting. Like, you know, it's not an easy thing to start a business. So... It's, you know, it's, I always say that, you know, greatness is on the other side of discomfort. So, you know, we grow through what we go through. So I'm very excited to see how that all goes for you. What's the name of the salon? (laughs) It's Haven Establishment. Wonderful. I'll put the link in the notes as well. (laughs) Definitely. For any of our Adelaide girlies that might want to come along. Great. In today's episode, we're going to obviously be talking about mental health. Uh, so we're also going to be talking about fertility and also about reproductive health, yeah. right? Because um, that's a part of your journey. And in getting ready for this um, episode, I obviously did a little bit of research and and not all of this is necessarily um, relative to your specific story, but it was interesting nonetheless to just... Um, dive a little bit deeper into it and the statistics that I found and of course you know the internet being the internet like I'm trusting this um website because it does look reputable it's it's health.gov.au I'd say that so like I think we're we can't always trust the government but like (laughs) that's yeah yeah that's yeah not my style of podcast but and we're not going to put our tinfoil hats on just yet But what I found interesting about it was um, that on this website it states that fertility problems affect about one in nine Australian couples of reproductive age. So we were talking about this before on the couch and you actually said you're surprised that that number's not higher. Yeah, absolutely. I think I I was very shocked. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas I've never, I never really looked into it too much before and I thought, oh, okay, it, I, I didn't really have anything to compare it to, but now that you've said it and the number of people that I've um, spoken to recently, I do sort of tend to agree with what you've said. The other thing I found very interesting was in this um, article, they're talking about the reasons behind it. So, and in this, it says that um, 40% of the fertility issues are experienced by the men. And 40% are experienced by the women. And then you've got 20% that are factors unknown. And what I found really interesting about that, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a female, that I have always just felt as though, okay, so if a couple is having trouble um, conceiving, that, it, that, that it's something to do with the woman. And I think that's because I would feel that way myself. But it's... You know, the statistics are there and it's actually very even. Yeah, yeah. And I think that... That shocks me too, I think. Yeah. I was more on, like with you, on the same page as you, thinking it was more the women. Yeah. Oh. And I think that probably because that's what's talked about more of the two. Yeah. Um, neither are talked about enough. Absolutely. But I think we definitely see more of it aimed towards, you know, women. 
And I, I think it comes, if you don't mind me, just... Of course, that's um, what it's all about. <laughs> I think you find as well women are talkers. Um, mm. Some people keep it to themselves, but most of us have friendships or, you know, we have more of a platform to talk and for it to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think men, whether it's demasculating, whether it's not sort of talked about, and that's, you know, another thing that I can cover a bit later with my husband and his view on it all, but I think that might be why as well, like the men's yeah. side is a little bit muted unless you're going through it yourself. So. Yeah, very interesting, definitely. And um, recently on my stories on Instagram, I had asked for some recommendations because I myself am about to, in a couple of weeks, I'll have an appointment um, with Repromed to look at having my eggs frozen. Um, at this point, I'm unaware of my reproductive health, really. Um, so I'm not sure if there are any um, anything to, if there is anything to worry about as yet. But I put the feelers out there to just sort of ask people what experiences they had had with any fertility clinics or doctors um, within the Adelaide area, and the number of wonderful, incredible women, yourself included, who reached out to me who'd been through um, the process. Um, Um, in one way or another, whether it's for, um, you know, due to endo or IVF um, and any of those things or whether they were just having eggs frozen the same as me, um, just as a, they don't like to say as a a safety net or insurance policy because it's not a given, but just for peace of mind, I think is the best way to put it. But it, so many women reached out and I just think that... It is obviously um, statistically more common than we are aware that people might need a little bit of help in that space. Um, So it's nice to be able to have a conversation like this and knowing that it's going to be put out there and and there will be women who listen who are going to resonate and definitely (laughs) take something from this conversation. So I'm very grateful for you um, to being here tonight. I'm grateful. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. So um, when we talk about your fertility journey, I guess where would we take it back or where's the start of that journey oh, for you? Okay. Um, <laughs> take so it back. I guess the first thing or the first step for me was uh, originally I had the implant on rod in my arm. Mm-hmm. Same girl. Yeah, Same. I think a lot of us did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me did suppress any sort of menstrual cycle. Um, so I didn't know until it came out that there was any issues because all the contraception mm-hmm. that I'd been on, um, which was the rod and the injection, which is a similar sort of drug, I guess you could say, um suppressed all that so when I decided to take it out and see what my body did it it revealed quite quickly that nothing was happening wow Um, yeah so so. the the implanon bar that goes in your arm that stays in for three years I believe am I right yes did you have it in once I had it in I I believe it was twice yeah. Um, and I think prior to that was several years of the injection. Prior, okay. Yeah. And the so whole time you didn't get a, a bleed? A every now thing. and then a little bit of a spot, but there was nothing, I guess, heavy enough to be a full cycle or regular enough. It would sort of be once a year, a little bit of a spot or something like that. So for yeah. me at the time, it was amazing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you've got to go swimming or, no. yeah. So... 
you had the bar for like um, we think twice, and the injections prior to that. When did you first go on contraception? Do I you remember? Was Fifteen. Same. Yeah. So at the time, I was having like massive sort of skin problems with acne, mm-hmm. um, and so we went to the doctors, and the doctors put me on a Diane Thirty Five pill mm. to help control that. I feel like um, that was the contraception of our generation. It was. It was. <laughs> um, so that was obviously quite young um, yeah and so from 15 to 24 yeah I was covered yeah so that's a long time yeah and like not to go down a complete rabbit hole because I feel like it's a different um podcast but like it just grinds my gears how many of us would be in the same boat as you and me right now who were put onto a contraception very young like relatively young and then just on it for years on end potentially to deal with another symptom yeah like oh you get bad period pain go on the pill or like and or you know you're having issues with your skin go on the pill or even just like you're having sex with your high school boyfriend go on the pill why is it always our responsibility (laughs) like you know it's just like it just feels like it always gets put on our shoulders as the women and this isn't a like men versus women argument either I'm just saying that's how I feel now well I think up until again a separate conversation but (laughs) I don't is there even a men's contraceptive on the market other than things they can wear temporarily I don't think so but I don't don't know I didn't do that research (laughs) this is where it all falls we've we've gone from you know back 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 in the day was all up to us yeah and we just did it yeah exactly and like I mean there's obviously like I agreed to go on it and I understand that it has its place and I'm not saying people should never be on it but I was on it from about 15 to about 33 on in one way shape or form so I just think it just it just annoys me (laughs) because I'm similar I came off of it and I'm like oh I can feel ovulation or, like, you know, not every month, but, like, maybe every second or third month I'll have crippling um, period pain, like, where I can't stand up straight. And I've masked it for all these years, but yeah. I don't like that I've masked it. No. I don't, does that make sense? Sometimes and not all kinds, like, all times, sorry, mm-hmm. um, that can be yes. a warning or a symptom of something else, but we yeah. don't know to look into it because it's just, oh, yeah, we'll just here have the pill that'll help. Yes, that pain, discomfort. Yes. So, also, I don't know if you had this or not, but when I had the bar removed the first time and then replaced, the like muscle or like I don't know exactly what's in my arm had like grown like intertwined like with the bar and yes oh you've got a scar too mine's a mess <laughs> there's a whole other story yeah. there. stitches and a mammogram on my arm oh and, yeah, but the bruising and stuff yeah. like it's in there for three years this, your body's gonna see yeah. this foreign object and just be like oh yes what are you so so anyway, <laughs> that's our side note about how we feel about contraception at 15. Um, so you made the decision to come off of it. Yeah. Was that with the idea because you wanted to start a family? Yeah. So I had been with my um, partner then for a few years yeah. and it was obviously going to come out and it was whether or not I went on something else monthly rather than committing to another three years yeah. um but we sort of 
both agreed to give my body some time to see what it would do. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was where we were at. Six months later, I was in the doctor's office. So Okay. So when you came off of it, what did you start to notice? Um, really just for me, it was an absent menstrual cycle of nothing nothing at all no yeah no so to have zero you know Mm -hmm. some people it's normal to be on something for so long and then I guess maybe take a bit longer but to not have anything was a bit alarming so yeah and so then the first step I guess then was to go to the GP GP yes so that that happened Um, Mm -hmm. it's all a bit foggy um, because we're talking now about 10 years ago but I'm doing my best they put me onto a fertility specialist Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to book in for that Mm -hmm. and the first step was fairly non-invasive it was something called I want to say Clomid Okay. So in that circumstance, it's like an ovulation induction. Okay. So, yeah, it's a tablet that you take for a few days. Um, obviously to stimulate to sti- ovulation. Yeah, yeah, to bring okay. on a release of an egg. Yeah. Um, obviously, that follows some blood tests and things like that to see mm-hmm. where you're at. And, yeah, they just sort of hope for the best, the best with that. And you sort of use, use that for a few months. Okay. So at that point where you've come off the contraceptive and you've noticed obviously that you haven't started a cycle and then you've gone through to the, the GP, how were you, were you worried at that point or were you just kind of like, oh, maybe it takes a little while for things to get back to normal? I think there's always a, a little bit of a, there was a level of naivety with me. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, oh, I just need a little bit of help. Yeah. So we'll tr- we'll go see a specialist. We'll try the Clomid, and I'll fall pregnant on Clomid, and it'll all be fine. Yeah. Um. And I think that's the hopeful side. Of course. You know, wishing that it's all going to happen quite easily. Um. But yeah, that's. Yeah. So then you um started with the Clomid, yeah. um, which was to stimulate the ovulation. Mm-hmm. What happened next? So they were. They were cycles that weren't tracked or they mm-hmm. weren't monitored. So um, the difference being that a monitored cycle is something where you have like several blood tests. You might have ultrasound scans to look at the ovaries to see if okay. follicles are happening so they can really pinpoint, okay, in the next 24 hours, go, try, do. Yeah. (laughs) Doing the best you can. Go have fun. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas these cycles were very, um, they're unmonitored. So they give you the tablets um, and then you just wait. And so then uh, the idea is that if you have ovulated and you're unsuccessful, then you get a period. And I I really can't remember the results of how that went, if there was a period or if it didn't cause an ovulation. Um, But Mm -hmm. eventually he, after about six months, had said, I think you need to go to a a fertility clinic now which is the right. next step up okay yeah um so during that time were you having blood tests and stuff done as well uh, yeah a little bit had yeah. you had the amh level bloods um, done no not at that point no not at that point i only asked because that's the only thing i have had done so i wondered if they had done that preemptively i can't for sure say that i yeah. ever had it i know that oh. at some point there were tests done prior to when we got to IVF, but I yeah. don't remember exactly what they were at this point. Yeah, I mean, you're probably having so many different things, and like you said, it was ten years ago, so yeah. I don't expect you to remember every small <laughs> I used detail. I to remember every small detail. <laughs> so we've now 
been passed on to the special specialized fertility clinic mm-hmm. here in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Was it reprimand? No, Can it I wasn't. Ask? No, no, it was sorry. something else. Yeah, yeah, it was somewhere else for now. Yeah. Um, I don't know why we went there. It wasn't yeah. any specific reason. Um, and we sort of, at the time, I didn't do any research. Yeah. Um, I just wanted the next available appointment with the next available doctor and I wanted to get it happening. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only ask was a reprimand because I feel like the, like these days in 2023, they're like the, the most well-known brand. Yeah. So this, you don't have to say who it no, was by any means. No, means, I'm but... I'm more than happy to say oh. if I'm allowed to. <laughs> well, I don't see. I'm glad yeah, so it's, it's not defamatory. No, I can no. be sued. It's all good. No, that helps my next <laughs> sentence. So, um, so the first place I went to was Fertility SA. Yeah. So I, to be honest, they were pretty great as far as um, the front of house and the nursing. They were accessible weekends for blood tests, um, public mm-hmm. holidays, things like that. So not all clinics are, mm-hmm. but. The doctor we had, he was he was pretty good too. Um, but you know, in, in the end, there was somebody that was so heavily recommended to us that when we didn't have success there and we had no more embryos, mm-hmm. we just moved Went on somewhere. to yeah, yeah to Plan B. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, so we've gone to the um, the fertility clinic now. Yeah. What were the next steps? Do you remember? Um, I remember again blood tests, um, telling your story to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried... Had they identified what was happening yet? They threw around PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome, mm-hmm. without the presence of cysts. There's different forms of it. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's generally... There's, there's different boxes you can tick to fall under that umbrella, but it was still a little bit unexplained. So we, we went to do a transfer there. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say transfer, for so, so yeah, someone who might not know. Of course, yeah. I knew I'd do that. Um, embryo <laughs> transfer. So that was when we went through the IVF process. I do think we we thought about doing artificial insemination at that point. So what that is is step down from IVF. So okay. they'll monitor your ovulation again and then when it's released, they take the male part and then they will actually like insert it in and yeah. it's in a clinical way, almost like a pap smear situation. Yeah, yeah, I did read a little bit about yeah. that. So they had actually, you had ovulated at some point here though, so they've collected your eggs. Yeah, so with with the IVF, yes. Yeah. And I guess now is probably a really good time to talk about something called overstimulation. Okay, yes, I have read a little yes. bit about this. <laughs> For anyone who is maybe unaware how the IVF process works, um, do you, I'll let you explain it. You've been my through best. it. <laughs> um, so they start you off on a uh, follicle stimulation hormone. Um, so that's in the form of an injection. So different people are on different levels of that drug, um, depending on your situation. Um, and there's there are different types of that drug to do the same mm-hmm. thing. And so this is where you might see, like I've seen on people's stories, where you're injecting it predominantly into the belly. Yes. Into the like, you grab a bit of the belly and yes. pop it in there, and <laughs> yeah. it needs to be at the same time, doesn't it? It's very regimented. Yeah, yeah, so it sort of needs to be within that the hour. So if you do okay. it at six pm, the next night it might fall to seven for some reason. That's okay, but it does have to be yeah, yeah. consecutive. Um, and you do that usually for a couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So ideally, a couple of weeks. Some people take longer. Um, mm-hmm. The longest I was on them was forty five days. And nothing wow. So, you know, that was a later a later cycle. So yeah. um, people with PCOS can either 
over-respond or under-respond, it's quite tricky. So I think mm-hmm. the regular dose for FSH is about 450 UI per shot. Okay. Um, I was on 125. Oh. Um, and so then from there, after a few days, they'll do scans of your um, ovaries. They look at how many follicles are forming and like how many healthy eggs are getting quite big. Um, yeah. And if they notice that it's looking like there's too many, they wind back the medication. So I had dropped to 50. Wow. Um, so quite low. So that means that you were producing a I lot. I was producing a lot. Yes. Okay. Yes. So they did the collection and the first one, was 16 eggs okay so a lot yeah yeah <laughs> um and is it true i'm gonna claim that course. you wake up with the number on you your hand it's okay. an option some yeah. people don't like it um yeah. but yes you you wake on up and right on the palm of your hand yeah so, and you sort of like yeah yeah um, i've seen that um online on some stories and whatnot so i wondered if that yeah, was true or not, it's so. true yeah i've actually i've still got photos of, oh, of wow. my hands you know documenting everything yeah and 16 so, is a pretty good number it's good and it's quite strange because that particular round put me to hospital for five days yes so this is where the overstimulation came in so some people can probably healthily give that many eggs Mm -hmm. for me um again I'm not a doctor but from what I understand it's the fluid from the follicles that sort of holding the eggs can release I think and it's almost like a form of sepsis okay yeah it's painful it's nausea bloaty bloaty 11 kilos of bloat 11 11 kilos I looked five months pregnant I was like violently ill I couldn't keep fluids down food down nothing and I just remember thinking if this is what pregnancy feels like I don't it It was wow yes and did you end up in hospital uh yeah I ended up in hospital on a drip um and that was five days till they could get my bloods back to where they wanted to be oh my goodness so that was the first that was the first big the first cycle yeah yeah so that part of the process um is the same um, for IVF as it is for, say, myself. Yes. If yes. I want to collect my own eggs and freeze them. Yeah. So that from the, um, I guess, the research I've yeah. been doing, yeah. I've kind of identified that that part is the yeah. same. So as far as the, like, the FSH goes and then you've got your trigger shot as well. Yes. That is the one that you have uh, 24 to 36 hours prior to ovulation. Yeah. Um, I think 36 maybe. Um, that's all the same for the scans, the blood tests. Yeah. So it's all like, you know, yeah. quickly scooting somewhere before work to have a blood test yeah. and a scan and, yeah. Yeah. So that's all the same. Yeah. So we got 16 eggs the first time. Yeah. What came next? So what happens next is um, they fertilise the eggs. So yeah. you have two options with that. So you can either put them sort of in their surrounds into their little petri dish together yeah. and let them let nature take Find its course yeah <laughs> or there's something also called ICSI which is where they can take sperm that they choose and then physically with their little yeah. needle thing no one can see yeah we need to get video going <laughs> um into the selected eggs and um i i think they seem to think maybe the uh, what do you call it the fertilization rate may be higher with that but i'm okay. not 100 sure again. yeah 
Um, Do your own research, people. Yeah, we yeah. are definitely not doctors. <laughs> not Dr. Regan. <laughs> okay, so yeah. that was what you did next. So you took yeah. your husband, was it your husband at yes. the time? Yeah. yeah. Um, his sperm, your eggs, yeah. and put them together. Yeah. And then froze so then, them or put the, do they go straight in? So then it's a five-day process. Mm-hmm. So this is the hard part for everybody because you've done everything you can now. Mm-hmm. You, you've lost your control. So you're getting phone calls maybe once every 24 hours from wherever you've chosen to go and the labs okay. will call you and go, okay, we had 16 eggs, 10 have fertilised. Okay. Update you tomorrow. Oh. So then you get, you know, four or five days of these update phone calls and it is so normal for these numbers to drop rapidly each day. Mm. So from that round, we had one embryo. From 16. From 16. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously that was quite devastating. Mm-hmm. But also to have one, I think we didn't realise at the time, was just... Yeah, so lucky. Yeah. Um, but being new, we sort of weren't really aware of that. Of course. Um, yeah, so they'll, they'll continually call you and they'll say, okay, now 10 fertilised yesterday. As of today, there are seven. Yeah. And they'll keep doing that. So. And that must be, you know, take quite the toll emotionally yeah. already in yeah. this process. Yeah, so I guess for people that's hard because you're waiting for this phone call and so do you want to be at work? Mm. do you you know do you like to keep busy like what what do you need to do for yourself to get Mm -hmm. through the 24 hours between those phone calls and then to get through the news afterwards so yeah yeah quite hard yeah definitely I can only imagine because I know I would be just anticipating that phone call and almost like preparing myself for disappointment you know like if 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 I expect the worst and I'm not going to be as sad when it happens but as we know that that wouldn't work I'm sure but it it has a sense of like there's method to that madness and I think that was how I was and people you get some people that go positive thinking and that's fine that's their thing and I get it but for me I was like but if I am positively thinking I'm up here Mm -hmm. which means if it doesn't happen I've got further to fall whereas if I just start accepting the worst and then I can be pleasantly surprised and that's a much better feeling yeah so you're just going oh yeah you don't know where to where to sit on that yeah everyone's different oh of course definitely and I think you know it can even that can change day to day as well because I yeah I think I would be similar to you in wanting to be like okay I'm just gonna expect the worst but hope for the best and I think the hardest thing as well for some people and for myself I know was giving up that control there was nothing I could do at that point Mm. and so yeah it's, it's definitely a hard hard process yeah yeah and then, so this was your first round of IVF yes. and you've ended up with one embryo. Yes. What then happened after those five days? So after the five days, they decided to attempt the embryo transfer. So again, it's similar to like a pap smear type scenario where you are fully awake. Um, yeah. And this is where we hit another hurdle or an obstacle. Okay. Um, so they, they load the embryo up into like a catheter. It's like quite a thin one. They mm-hmm. feed it up through the cervix and into the uterus and they put it there in the uterine wall and then we all hope for the best um 
without going into too much detail, I was in absolute agony through the process. Um, Yeah, and we discovered that I had scar tissue um, from previous surgeries. Okay. um, Which made it particularly hard for the catheter to move through. Right. Um, So, yeah, that was where we were at. Um, Mm -hmm. And they had to not go through with it at that time oh yeah put it in the into the freezer okay attempt it at a later date oh wow yes and that would have then caused like you know the emotion of that day in itself being like all right we're going in it's going to be implanted yeah (laughs) and then having them then be like oh actually there's a we've discovered something as a bit of a hurdle here. It's not going to happen today. Yes, yes. That was a lot. So that this created, I guess, my first break in it all. So it Mm -hmm. took several months. Um, What my doctor thought was that my cervix not only was hard to get into but also um, looked like it could have been incompetent so it wasn't going to be strong enough to hold the pregnancy to full term because it it was quite short. Okay. Um, so he took my case to a specialist board um, and they all agreed he he'd sort of just presented it as this person needs a suture or a stitch to strengthen the cervix. They're mm-hmm. doing IVF. Can we do it prior to having losses? Preemptively. To, yeah, yeah, whereas normally you have to have, um, you have to tick the boxes of, you know, having however many losses and before they will um, consider it. And that, that might have changed between yeah. 10 years ago and now. Um, so... Because it was so hard to reach, it was a completely different surgery. It was intra-abdominal, so it was like a cesarean type section. And there's, I think, only been two done in Adelaide. Oh wow! Yeah, so or two done by a reputable doctor. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So were you one of those two? I was one of those okay. two. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. the, the board said yes. 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 So that happened, but that was obviously we had to time that with work, and so that sort of was pro- it- and then it was um, a six week. Recovery? Oh, day surgery or were you overnight? Um, that was um, because it was abdominal. I was there for oh, three days. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was like sort of like a recovery of a cesarean without yeah. a baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So then that was six weeks recovery. Yeah. And then? So then we um, went through with the frozen embryo. Yeah. Um, so... For, I guess, anyone that's not familiar with a frozen embryo transfer, it's similar to the first way, but yeah, you're still using the stimulation drugs, but not as heavy because you're not trying to produce several eggs. They mm-hmm. just want your body to sort of go through that wave of maybe okay. one or two um, and then practicing safe sex through that time. Yeah. And then they wait five days after ovulation because that's how old the embryo was when he or she went in the freezer. Um, <laughs> and so then you attempt that transfer. And yeah. Yes. And they did that the way the same way they did the first, so that's vag- they did. They did. So yeah. while they did the surgery in the past, um, they did something called uh, hysteroscopy and DNC. So that's to help dilate that cervix so that they could access it. Okay. Easier. Yeah. So yeah. it's all sort of preempting that process. Okay. So these, these sorts of things don't happen to everybody. I am very yeah. rare, so please yeah. don't sit at home and think this is how it's normally going to go. <laughs> but at the same time, there are definitely going to be women who are going to listen yeah. and resonate with different parts. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. <laughs> so now we've implanted the embryo. Yes. What happened next? No success. 
with yeah. that one. And um, so what? How how long do you have to wait, wait. or when do you know that? It was unsuccessful. They call it the two-week wait. Okay. Um, It's usually around 10, 11 days before they can do the blood test. Mm -hmm. Um, And, again, that is another period of time where you've got control in the sense that you're treating your body as though it is pregnant. You know, you're avoiding all these things and trying not to stress yourself out and not drinking coffee and not going out and getting drunk. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, But other than that, there's nothing nothing else. Yeah. So... Yeah. And how did you – do you remember how you felt at that time? Um, that particular time I was I was hopeful. I didn't have any reason not to be, I guess. Yeah. Um, we'd done all the right things. You know, we'd prepared everything how we wanted to. And, yeah, I was just thinking, yep, yeah, this, is, this is the one. And I think that was probably the most positive I'd been through the process because – that was you'd what done I was all the things at the time, yeah. Yeah, you know, you'd gone in and you'd you'd collected the eggs and you've got the embryo and then you've gone and you've had the the surgery and you you're ready. Yeah. How did how did you find out that it it wasn't successful? So you do the blood test and then they so that's early morning, day ten or eleven after mm-hmm. um, after transfer mm-hmm. <laughs> and then around lunchtime they'll call you so I started work that day at 1 p.m mm-hmm. and at 12 oh my phone rang <laughs> yeah and so yeah it, it's just it's for anyone that hasn't been through it they they call and they make you go through the security check and you, you just you're going through your name your address your date of birth and you're also thinking how did, how did their voice sound? How did their tone sound? Are they about to give me good news? They're about to get so much going on. And then they're good at masking it. So once you get through that security check, then they deliver the line. So, yeah, that one was obviously that, you know, I'm really sorry to say it hasn't been successful at this time. You're not pregnant. Um, you know, and that's, you lose it. Yeah. I think it's normal. I think, yeah. 100% it's normal. (laughs) I just remember walking back into work and one of my co-workers at the time just gave me a hug like I've never had before and it was just exactly what I needed. But I was lucky enough to be sent home that day Mm -hmm. Um, because, yeah, it's almost like a sense of mourning even though it hasn't been positive and you weren't pregnant. In your head you were. So there is a sense of mourning to that and a sense of loss and so, yeah, it's a a very hard day if not more. I can definitely, like, imagine that it would be, like, regardless of whether or not the, the pregnancy was successful, you know, you've gone through this whole process and, yeah. and mentally, like, you, it, it started. So I, yeah. I, I would be mourning as well. I feel like I would definitely, that's a very valid feeling to have in that, in that sort of situation. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, not many people, I guess, understand. If they're not going through that, mm-hmm. um, they might not understand or, I guess, yeah, see why people are so upset if it hasn't worked because you, you were never pregnant. You were just trying to be. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit. I can see what you're saying. I don't agree, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. So um, obviously that would have been a very, you know, um, difficult and sad time to navigate. I guess 
did you at, was it at that point that you feel like it, your mental health may have started to be affected? Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's from day one, mm. or maybe not day one, but definitely day one of figuring out there's a problem. Yeah, because you go through this, I guess, roller coaster of you know my husband had been checked, he has existing children. Yeah, not much to worry about there. It was me. It was all me, and even though they'd given me PCOS as a term, I was still unexplained because there was still no reason why I was struggling as much as I was. So you've got that sense of I am broken, I am worthless, I don't, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and obviously wanting that so badly and not being able to change it is is massive frustrating I can imagine and I think unfortunately and very unwarranted I think that it's a common you know voice inside of of, a a woman's head or you know obviously we're talking about from a woman's point of view so that it's you know I'm the woman and I'm supposed to be able this is you know biologically what we're supposed to be able to do so there's often that feeling of failure yeah in some way and like and I certainly don't ever want anyone to feel that way but you know I think that's from the women that I've spoken to a sort of a common voice that would come up in in the head yeah it's it's weird because I think coming out of it as well and looking back you know hindsight is wonderful isn't it absolutely it's a hundred percent not anyone's fault and to think that I put so much of my worth into that one thing, it's just, it blows my mind because mm-hmm. I know I'm not alone in that. I think more often than not that, that yeah, like you said, that's what women if, and men are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, it's sad that it gets that far. Yeah. And, you know, it, it certainly doesn't determine anybody's worth, you know, whether... Mm-hmm you know, they find it easy to get pregnant or they find it difficult to get um, pregnant. There's, that doesn't make you less or more of a person and, and it's just unfortunate how we are such our own worst enemy at times and this internal voice can be so mean yeah. when we're so kind to everybody else, you know. Um, so I think, you know, it's important to talk about because, you know, it's, is something that other people are feeling as well. Yeah. So um, obviously that was quite a, a tricky time to navigate. I guess, did you realise it was having that effect on your mental health or were you kind of consumed by the whole process at that point? No, I definitely did. I definitely mm-hmm. did. I remember at that time I think I was looking for different ways to help myself Um And I guess I'm a little bit alternative with the things that I lean towards. So I remember back in that day, I was doing things like kinesiology, um, always a sucker for a healing or a psychic reading. And so those sorts of things, as much as sometimes they weren't correct or anything like that, I left feeling lighter and it gave me that little bit of hope that maybe I just couldn't find at the time. So, yeah, those sorts of things I was leaning towards, which meant, yeah, I was... I was struggling. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, it's it's a matter of each to their own as well. Yeah. Like, you know, if, you know, going for a walk around the block helps you, then that's great. If, you know, eating a block of chocolate helps you, that's great. If having your cards read 
helps you, that's great as well. Like Reiki, not everyone, you know, is into that. If that helps you, that like it's whatever works for you as the person, you know? Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So that's and it's good that you had that awareness to be able to realise, okay, I'm obviously struggling a little bit right now. Um, to be able to sort of, you know, be able to put those things in place for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What happened next? Like because um We've had, um, we've been told this one was unsuccessful. You obviously yeah. went through the process how many more times? Um, Avery was my fourth transfer over okay. eight years. Okay. Yes. So from here, I think because we had nothing in the freezer, mm-hmm. we were sort of back at square one in a sense, but we'd obviously learned a little bit about my body, a little bit of about you know like we'd obviously fix some things and I had just kept hearing about this doctor and how brilliant he was and so I tried a cycle with him so name yeah I went to see um Dr Stephen Lane so he was at Adelaide Obstetrics and Fertility Mm -hmm. um it's his clinic so I think it's him and three other women work there um but yeah, he was just so heavily um, recommended that I felt I felt the need. I felt like that was my next step. Yes. Um, and I knew I was in love with him as my doctor <laughs> when I sat down and he looked me square in the eye and he said, I am so sorry that I am meeting you. Because oh. he knew that I was losing it. Yeah. <laughs> he knew yeah. why I was there. Obviously, I was struggling and to have that as... As our introduction, I just thought he, you know, there was just a genuine look in his eyes and he really cared. So I knew I was in good hands from there. Oh, incredible. And that's what you want on this journey. And I think that's probably one of the messages that I sort of have for people is try to find that person that sort of, I guess, aligns with you and resonates with you and makes you feel comfortable because it's such a stressful process that you don't need to add to it. You need someone you can trust that you feel comfortable with asking the questions um, because I think it's important to educate yourself on what's happening and know what's going on so that you can be, I guess, your own advocate. Yeah. Um, Because I think it's often in in some cases you can fall into a box or you can become a number, um, whereas everybody's case is different and mine was very rare. So getting to know it myself meant that I could help come up with treatment plans and and having that trust with my doctor was ultimately, I think, what got, got us over the line. So, yeah, really important. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's the same with any medical professional, especially yeah. when you're going through something like this. Yeah. So you had to, um, obviously, you met with him and you had to start back at, quote, unquote, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So, so how many eggs did we get the first round? Okay, so... Set your second round, the first round with him. Funnily enough, 15. Okay. So I'm thinking, here we go again. Yeah. But the nurses at this practice were incredible. Oh. So they checked in, they warned me, okay, it's happened to you once before, it's likely going to happen again. In fact, it'll probably happen every time, but we'll do a different trigger shot. We'll get you drinking. Oh, overstimulation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry, overstimulation. Yeah. Um, keeping yourself hydrated as a preventative rather than, you know, you're trying yeah. to fix the dehydration and things like that. So it did happen again. Mm-hmm. I did get ill, um, but I did not end up in hospital at all. Excellent. Um, Progress. Which is a plus. Yes. Um, and out of that round, we got 
two embryos. Okay. So again, numbers double, are small. Double but the yeah, first time. Yeah, though. that's a success. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think what happened from there. Did we do a fresh one? No, we didn't. Um, so this this doctor that I was seeing, he didn't think it was fit to do a fresh transfer after an overstimulation mm-hmm. um, just because of what the body's gone through. And so just getting the body into the best possible um, situation. Yeah. This is the round where I was on stimulation drugs ready for the frozen egg tran- uh, frozen embryo transfer for 45 days. Okay. So this is when nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So then they had to cancel that cycle. We started again and we had obviously success from that one. So mm-hmm. it, it's just so strange to me that one minute your body's doing nothing, even with something that's obviously made to make it act a certain way and then the next the next minute you just have that little break and it's doing the right thing so yeah yeah that was definitely interesting so we yeah did the embryo transfer um I'm just trying to think I, I don't remember Mm-hmm. I, th- I think for that one I was put on Valium. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they needed me to relax so that it yeah. wasn't as painful as the first one. I Yeah, I remember that now. And, yeah, that obviously, again, was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We go back for we round three. Again. Yeah, so at that time we had one left. Okay, yeah. Dr. Lane had said, I th- I've been sort of counselling with somebody, getting a second opinion from mm-hmm. somebody that's a bit more qualified than I am, I'd like to refer you to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some trial procedures um, that he'd like to try. Um, I think it could be suitable for you. So mm-hmm. let's let's do a round. Let's get some embryos in the bank and then, you know, because it would be a shame to just have that one, one shot. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what he did differently that time. He mm-hmm. did say he was going to tweak something in the labs. And, again, mm-hmm. this is where it comes to good doctoring, I suppose. <laughs> we got nine embryos from, weirdly enough, 30 eggs. Oh. But I, but, and I didn't overstimulate badly that time either. So I did still have sickness afterwards, but, again, no hospital. So oh, wow. I think 30s quite rare yeah Um, yeah I think that's quite a high number and then to have nine from that I I do remember walking into the operation like operating theater that day and being quite swat it's uncomfortable you know what your body goes through and your ovaries are huge at this point okay with all the things happening and I just remember being so much pain yeah (laughs) just a couple of dozen (laughs) yeah sorry so that was very successful that That, time yeah yeah. so Um, we were stoked obviously nine like that's more than we could ever afford to attempt you know yeah um because yeah financials definitely plays a side of it yeah yeah so we've ended up with nine and we've now implanted one from that no, so they went into the freezer as well. Okay. Um, so we have 10 in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And so off I went to where I was recommended. Mm-hmm. They'll remain nameless. Yeah. <laughs> I think best if I keep it that yeah, way. Yeah, I don't need to be um, sued. No, no we, don't, <laughs> we don't need that. Um, so I went to this other clinic um, and they they did something called PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma therapy. Mm-hmm. So it's quite common in the way that so they, they take your blood, they spin it, they mm-hmm. get the plasma out, 
and then they inject that back in. So um, it can be used uh, cosmetically mm -hmm. for skin. Um, I think the plasma, it, it does something to sort of help draw blood and circulation to the area, so like healing properties, um, but it hadn't been used here for fertility yet. So for my case, they had inserted it back into the uterus. Um, I do now know that to help. What was that test you said earlier? Was that the egg reserve? AMH. AMH. I think to help like with um, low results in that, they now put it into your ovaries as well. Okay. So it has progressed since yeah. I was the guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thank you for your service. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I didn't have success with that the the whole process with that clinic was an, a bit of a nightmare okay so we only went through one transfer with that one mm -hmm. um but again it came down to it's not just the doctor mm -hmm. um you're dealing so heavily with the nurses and the front of house so if you've got admin that can't find paperwork or can't process your medicare rebate which is a substantial amount of money um, just little errors along the way, it can just add to everything. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, what is already at a 10 on a stress level mm -hmm. just boils over quite quickly with little errors and things. So, yeah, yeah, this is where I think I learnt it might not be the first thing that comes up on Google. I think even when I put in Adelaide Fertility Clinic as research before coming here, my doctor's clinic doesn't show up on page one or two or three. It's only if you're actually specifically Googling him interesting so yeah, yeah not always mm. the ones putting all the money into the advertising that are going to yes. be the best for you so it's just recommendation but that being said my doctor might not be right for you or you, or you. of course but yeah. yeah it's it's just important to find I guess someone you're comfortable with mm -hmm. what was next next was a break that was yeah. so horrific actually not just the break we signed every single embryo away what does that mean? So when you are done with fertility, um, I guess, treatments and you have embryos in the freezer, you have three options. You can donate them to people. Yeah. You can donate them to science and you can um, dispose of. Okay. So that sort of brought my husband and I to a chat on what we were comfortable with because it's important that we were both 100%. So we swayed between donating to people, mm -hmm. um, I guess trying to help people in our situation as much as we could, in the end, we both couldn't be 100% at the same time. Yeah. So we decided the best option that was next was to donate to science. So at least if they needed to test things or mm -hmm. try different procedures, then at least that would help the world of fertility and then, mm -hmm. you know, domino effect. But so we signed them away and I was done. So at this point you decided, okay, yeah. we're, we're not going to try this anymore. We've been through too much. Yeah. Um, we've had enough, we haven't had success, and you've yeah. made that. That's a huge yeah. call. So we were about five years in at this point. Yeah. And, you know, my husband, I was lucky in the sense that I never had that pressure from him to have a child. Some people might be under that pressure. Um, my husband had existing children. He was happy with those children. <laughs> he didn't need to have more, but, of course, he wanted to have more with me yeah. if it was um, yeah. going to happen. So I pulled the plug. Mm -hmm. said, I can't put myself through this anymore. We can't afford it. We were so heavily in debt. Mm -hmm. And I think just the residual effect of how horrific that last experience was, I just, yeah, I had had enough. I was at my broken end. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm going to ask you a question and you don't have to answer it and I can cut this out. <laughs> but if you were to estimate over the five years and going through three, was it three rounds of four rounds? Four in the end. Four in the end. How much do you think it costs you? We often refer to Avery as our $50,000 baby. Five zero. Five. Yeah. Yeah. 50. Yeah. Um, so when... It's a rough estimate, of but course, I, I'm of talking IVF, egg retrieval, every round is then more, mm-hmm. um, every, sorry, egg transfer, embryo transfer is more, um, your medications are not covered, mm-hmm. um, there's quite a huge wait list on your health cover if you want those covered, it's three years or something like that. So, and then obviously you've got surgeries, which I was lucky enough to fall under public health. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, there was other medical costs and day surgery fees and things like that. Of course. I think it's just good to sort of have an understanding of like, you know, you hear about, you know, people going through IVF and whatnot, but it is a huge financial um, cost for people to. And some people might listen to this and say, oh, 50 grand, I wish. You know, we're yeah. at 150 or, you know, a, a lot it's of people probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we we just kept pumping money into it. And yeah. then in the end, it actually, not only did I physically and mentally not want to do it, but I we'd sort of discussed that if we had a child at that point, it felt irresponsible of us because we couldn't afford it at all. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we just, we stopped. And yeah. Yeah, that was... That was where it came into a whole nother level of, I guess, warning and yeah. mental health. Yeah. yeah. And because, you know, like so many people, you know, we have this 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 instilled vision in our brain of what life is going to be yeah. like. Yeah. And, you know, obviously in this situation you have this idea that you know when you're ready you know you're gonna you're gonna find the man or person of your dreams and you're gonna get married and then you're gonna have start uh, start a family and have children and so you've now had to make this decision okay we're we're done we can't do this anymore I can't do this anymore mentally and physically yeah and then so having to try to let go of that vision of what you thought life was going to be yeah sorry that was that was where mental health obviously yeah like I said, mm-hmm. went, went down a whole another path. I s- had seen in the past, I had seen one psychologist. Mm-hmm. At the time, I don't think she was quite right for me in her methods because I was still going through the process of trying to fall pregnant and she was talking about mourning that child or mourning the idea of having that child. I'm like, I'm not there. That's mm. Yeah, this isn't sort of working for me. And so all my fun little side healings and treatments really were what helped Mm-hmm. me at that time whereas now I needed to process it and so I found someone who was brilliant and she was she was really really good and she took us down that road of have you you know do you want me to talk you through the process of surrogacy and mm-hmm. so she did explain that to me I was quite closed off to it but obviously having having the embryos was already a, a step even though we'd signed them away I, I just think it just wasn't for us um, yeah. and it's very 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 hard in Australia Okay. Very hard and it's costly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think she quoted it because she was somebody that worked heavily within, you know, she did seminars and things for surrogacy. So she said you were looking at around $30,000 per round. Um, 
And, mm. you know, I don't know if you want me to elaborate on that process much or if that's a little Probably bit off the Probably not. Side. For, yeah, yeah, I think that's, a, yeah. that's definitely a, an interesting side venture. Yeah. Side, <laughs> side adventure, I should say. Yeah. But so this was a psychologist. This was a psychologist. Okay. Yeah, so but she was heavily specialized. in fertility. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's great. And that she was good. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I think people probably understand as well, you know, when you're at your worst, you might not have an appointment. And then yes. a week later, you're having an amazing day. And you don't really want to go back to where you were a week ago because you're doing better. So I think the sort of instant things like, oh, I wonder if I can get my tarot done today. Yeah. Or maybe I'll go yeah. get some Reiki or, you know, go sit down the beach. Those instant mm-hmm. things that made you feel better on the spot were so important like to sort of, I guess, figure out what works for you and Definitely. And I think that can be like related into anyone's situation because, yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, there is quite a way um, to get in to see psychologists and social workers these days um, and they're an excellent tool to have. But we need to add things to our own toolbox of like what are the things that I can do right now that are going to help me if I need a little bit of a boost. I think that's a great example. So, I mean, she was definitely good in the sense that, you know, at the time I had um stepchildren yes and so to be a stepmother and not a mother often has its challenges as well so getting myself in the best mindset to still be good to the boys and Mm -hmm. be you know right and there for them without any sort of resentment or yeah massive negativity and things that I was holding towards that other life that I thought I was going to have she was you know she was good in helping me deal with that definitely um, so, and I think it's nice to hear of the, like the, I mean, you called it alternative um, <laughs> treatments because like different things work for different people. And I think you had told me you had, is it Mayan? Mayan massage. Yes. What is that? Yeah, sorry. Oh, well, I, how I, would I you explain I it? Explain it, well. <laughs> um, it was, it's a type of abdominal massage. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it is quite alternative but um, it must go back you know we're talking yeah the word Mayan. and I, I just remember leaving there feeling amazing and I remember her saying if it's not too much detail you know oh your your reproductive organs aren't sitting right they're, oh. they're sort of tilted back and we need them up to be mm-hmm. welcoming to this and so what she was doing was sort of helping to correct that with different exercises and massage and you know you learn to do it at home and all that so awesome. that was pretty interesting yeah and things like acupuncture hypnotherapy I love I love <laughs> that, that people are using these yeah. different um, modalities to help with mental health I, and I think even though you're doing something that's so medical there's always that place for um, I guess complementary therapies. So yes. There are a lot of acupuncturists that do do uh, like fertility specific mm-hmm. yeah. services. So yeah, that's nice. Too. Yeah. So it's it's good that obviously you had that awareness in that time, which would have been such a very difficult time to navigate. You obviously had the support of your husband there yeah. as well. Yeah. Was there anyone else that was particularly um, oh, yeah, I was so lucky. Influential, yeah. yeah. Um, I had family that I had to lean on, um, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, even just someone that can say the right things back, and yeah, there was definitely one person in my family that was really, really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my clients, 
women masking for my co-workers. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah, I guess being a hairdresser, we talk. Yeah. We talk too much and we overshare and that is who I am. But, you know, a lot of my clients had over the years become friends and so they cared, they asked. And I think talking about it for me helped. Some people don't like to do it and that's okay. Mm-hmm. They like to, you know, keep it quite, I guess, hidden and mm. sort of work through it Deal themselves. With it themselves. Yeah, whereas yeah. I found through talking people related or I, I could relate to what they were saying and yeah you find you are really not alone because yeah such a uh, I guess female driven clientele yes lots of people wanted or were getting help even if it was just the smaller end of things so yeah one in nine really shocked me yeah <laughs> and I think that connection piece is so important yeah. and creating conversation around any topic you know if I think about how far the subject of mental health has come over the years from having this like stigma and being taboo to talk about how um, just being able to create conversation um, breaks down those Mm -hmm. barriers and I think it's the same you know when we're talking about fertility as well and for so long women especially have like hidden it away feeling that it's because there's something wrong with them and so they don't they were less inclined to connect and talk about things and, and in doing that lighten the load on themselves so it's nice to hear that you know you were able to do that and I think it's definitely become more common and more talked about now for sure in 2023 I know that there's lots of forums and things Mm. there's lots of I guess support groups when you've got Facebook and things like Mm -hmm. that for me that wasn't something I aligned with yeah Yeah. but I do know of people that love that side yeah they like to ask the questions on there or see people going through the same thing Definitely. So we've heard you mention Avery. So yes. you obviously have a child yes, now. Yes, I do. <laughs> so what, how, what's the, the next part? Oh, sorry, the next part was I had had enough. I mm-hmm. had, as I said, I'd signed With, my embryos yep. away, including Avery. Oh. Yeah, so um, I think it must have been about a year and a half. We had about a, a bit of a break. And at that point I sought out help again just to just to try and I thought I'm going to go a little bit more natural this time I'm going to try Mm -hmm. and get my body better Mm -hmm. um I wanted to lose weight I wanted to get my hormones right and so I saw out um from again several recommendations um a woman named Michelle Richards Mm -hmm. um she was doing like a 12-week program um she's uh like a sports coach I'm pretty sure she she was on stage with me (laughs) oh she beat me (laughs) of course she did I was like I know that name (laughs) So she does bodybuilding competitions like I have done a couple of yes. times for anyone who doesn't know what I just was going crazy about. Yes. Okay, so, so you did a 12-week challenge with her. Yes. So she um, <laughs> she takes your blood, she runs it through some system that she has and she'll pinpoint different things. She'll come up with a food plan, um, supplements later down the track, things like that. Um, just on the food plan alone, for me, within three weeks, we saw changes. Wow, so incredible. from somebody that had had nothing but medical menstrual cycles, I mm-hmm. finally had a natural one. Oh, and my they goodness. they were not so far apart. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they weren't regular, yeah. but 
it was a good sign. So incredible. Yeah, that was that was a good thing. So that sort of, I guess, got a bit of pep in my step. You know, I'd gone through the year and a half of just accepting that it's not going to happen and that's okay. And my husband and I were going to have a different life. We were going to travel the world. Yes. And we were gonna, you know, all these yeah. different things that you might be able to do, you know, as an alternative option. But, yeah, so that happened. And then after a few cycles, I thought, well, should we go back to see Dr. Lane, my mm-hmm. old favourite? My bestie. Um, yeah. <laughs> By now he's probably thinking, oh, they're coming back. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we just – that's just how we wanted to go. We wanted to go to him. We wanted to see if he thought it would be beneficial to, um, like, check some cycles through scans and bloods and yeah. see when ovulation was happening and try naturally. So we did that for about six months. Yeah. Um, and then so we got – The good old-fashioned way. The good old-fashioned way. <laughs> Yeah, tiresome. Um, but, you know, that, that was, yeah. we were just in a very different place at that point yeah. financially and things like that as well. So um, things have started to, I guess, align a little bit better, even my, I think my mindset as well. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how, there's no secret, mm-hmm. secret recipe for that. And we sat down with him after about six, six rounds of it, obviously not, not working naturally. Yeah. And we said, what What now? And he said, you came in here and you said, I will not do IVF again. Should we talk about it? <laughs> and I just said, I cannot physically go through another egg retrieval. Yeah. If they will give me my embryos back, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll consider it. So yeah. um, I had to, because what happens when you donate to science, they will, if they use your embryos, send you another letter that you sign. Yeah. I never got any of those letters. So I thought they might still be there. Yeah. Um, so we had to write um, a letter to the clinic and ask for them back. And obviously what that meant was we just had to back pay the storage and we had okay. um, nine embryos back. Okay. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so um, from there we did um, obviously the stimulation for the um, embryo transfer Another issue with me that hasn't been mentioned yet was that my lining never really got thick enough. Okay. So they want your lining around, I think usually around seven millimetres minimum, but like eight, I think eight to 11 is quite healthy. Okay. Um, I was getting threes and fours, so quite thin. Um, if it ever popped up, you know, in a scan to say six, the next scan would drop back down and we could never quite get it high. So... Um, in this particular instance, the doctor obviously wanted it to be a perfect situation to transfer, and so we didn't get that. And we we got to the day of transfer, and it was cancelled on the spot. Mm. So that was obviously heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but we had trust, and that was that was when I sat down with him. Or we had a phone consult, and we sort of ran some ideas by him because you can imagine with Google and Mm. experience over eight years and people talking to you about what they've tried, you get ideas in your head about what might work for your body. Mm -hmm. So we introduced a couple of different things, very, very simple things to Mm -hmm. the cycle and we were getting 8.4 mil lining. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So this was just never had happened for me before. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, then it was time to try the the transfer. Um, I opted to be put to sleep for this one. So Mm -hmm. um, it's it's an option for anyone. Yeah. If um, people suffer from um, 
is it vaginismus, things like that, where it's quite painful to do those sorts of things. You can be put under so that it's not as painful. And for me, I felt like that would just keep me the calmest. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that was that was Avery. Oh, so then you got the two-week wait. The two-week wait. And they gave you a call. This was the first time that my impatience got the better of me and I did what they said not to do. Um, Again, at-home tests. At-home tests. Yeah. Because um, some trigger shots, some some hormones uh, that they give you have um, something in it called HCG, which is what they're testing for. Yeah. And so if that's in the medicine you're taking, it's going to show your false up. positive, but yeah. I did all the research and I have no <laughs> HCG in any of oh, my medicines. Yeah. So I you did were that. Yeah. Um, which I hid from Ryan at the time oh. because I was too oh. embarrassed. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't accepting. I was still in a bit of denial that it was a positive. Yeah. Um, so I waited a couple more days, did another one stronger and I yeah so yeah then I can understand the temptation (laughs) don't worry it can be it can definitely do more harm than good in some circumstances because a false positive is the last thing you want but yeah it was obviously it got in my head that maybe it was a positive um but I I did have to work that day of the phone call yeah so the phone call days are brutal I know in the past, I have just taken the days off if I can. Um, this particular day, I was finishing early anyway. It was mm-hmm. fine. I asked the nurses to call my husband instead and he could tell me whatever happened when I got home. I was okay. just going to make it through, Yeah, <laughs> come home in the middle of the afternoon and he, yeah. could, he could tell me. So, yeah, it didn't, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> no. No, I called him. He, he was out <laughs> fishing with my dad at the time and... Uh, I said to him, if it's negative, you need to be home when I get home. I need to, you, you're going to have to be there for me. And so when I rang him, he was driving home. And so oh. I was just like, oh, it's bad, isn't it? And oh. He just sort of said, well, no, it's it's not. Did you want me to tell you? And I'm like, no, you're lying. Yeah. And he said, no, you're pregnant. And oh. I lost it. <laughs> um, it was almost, it was an ugly cry and one of my co-workers walked in and she was like, oh, no. Yeah, thinking <laughs> like, the worst. it's okay, it's oh. okay. Um, so, yeah, that was that was amazing. What a wonderful, yeah. yeah. So, I guess in, in my experience, I guess for my first pregnancy was successful and, yeah, obviously we made it. She made it here. Yeah. Oh, she came early in and that was a whole other <laughs> We won't go there. Um, and she's 18 months she's, now. She's uh, 16 months. 16 yeah. months, yeah. So, hey, I didn't experience what some people experience. So I know some people's journey can be a Abs- lot more yeah. uh, curvy. Um, but, yeah, we were just... Yeah, so grateful. but we don't minimise what you've been through. No, at of the course, same but time. it's normal to do that. Yeah. Sometimes we do that. And yeah. Oh, there's lots of people worse, better off. I'm okay. But yeah, you're right. We Absolutely. shouldn't discount our own yeah. experiences and yeah, journey. Do you think, um, like, once you, you obviously found out that you were pregnant and that journey started, do you, was your mental health still like being affected at that time or yeah. were you really able to just. Relax. I think in the first few weeks Mm. is hard still because you then fall under the same statistics as everyone else and, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got your one in four that you then have to be and then, you know, all all those sorts of things. You've got your, you know, we opted for genetic testing and because we just 
obviously wanted to make sure that everything was looking good as as most people yeah. do. So, um, and I think we we our first scan was six weeks, I think six. Yeah, I think it was six weeks because we were mm-hmm. warned that there may not be a heartbeat yet. Yeah. Um, and that is so nerve-wracking. Oh, I can um, imagine. I made, I made my husband have that day off yeah. because my anxiety was uncontrollable. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, through the whole process I did develop quite a bit of an anxiety disorder, which by the last round I was medicated for. <laughs> but yeah. this day there was nothing I could do. It was uncontrollable until I heard that heartbeat. Yeah. It was... Yeah, it was quite hard. Oh, so. I can just imagine how you must have felt in that <laughs> it was moment definitely, as well. Yeah, it was. It was definitely. It's like it's just this little blob, and then it yeah. has this full heartbeat. Yeah, it was just how incredible. Didn't feel real. It must. Yeah, yeah. yeah someone happening to someone else. Yeah. yeah, and to now like hear like everything that you went through to get to that point, like yeah. it just makes me feel so happy, yeah. <laughs> so happy for you, like to gone through that and you know it could not have been easy all of that time but that little blob with the heartbeat and what's she like now she's still a blob (laughs) she's just a nugget but she has so much character Mm. so much just big smiles and just Mm -hmm. so cheeky and yeah just it sounds cliche but she was worth every every part of it yeah um to just get that so Mm-hmm. yeah so what do you wish that like you could like tell your past self or maybe someone who's going through something similar to your journey oh, oh emotions start hitting oh. <laughs> <laughs> um I think that you definitely need to forgive yourself it's, it's the weirdest thing because it's what are you forgiving yourself for um you need to go easy on yourself um you know, as we said before, your worth is not defined mm-hmm. by whether you can have a child or not. Um, and just to put yourself first, you know, our husbands and our partners, they can try to support you. They can try to resonate with what you're going through and they are going through it too in their own way. But when it's happening to your body, it's very different. So if you need to take a break, take a break. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I can think it always feels really strange to take a break when you're however many months or years in because by this time we're all very impatient and we're all very eager for it to happen but without those breaks I think you can just push yourself beyond what you're sort of capable of Mm -hmm. um so I think yeah just be easy on yourself seek help if you need it because that is there is nothing wrong with that yeah Um, and without different avenues of help that I sought out Mm -hmm. I I don't know Mm. how long I would have continued so and sometimes you just need someone else to hold space for you, whether yeah. it's a psychologist or a reader or whoever it is, someone yeah. just to provide that space for you to decompress almost. Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, ultimately it's just trust trust your gut and, mm-hmm. yeah, just advocate for yourself. Yeah, yeah. that's excellent advice. <laughs> What do you think that, I guess, society can do better in this space? Usually I ask this question yeah, focused wow. on mental health but I think um you probably have some really good advice in terms of you know maybe someone you know who's um going through um some problems Mm -hmm. with fertility what advice would you have around that 
Um, what can we do? I think it's hard to navigate as a supporter. Mm -hmm. Um, People need different things. I think the first question would be, how can I support you best? You know, what do you need from from me to help you through this? Uh, Mm -hmm. I had people that would respond, you know, you reach out to people that you love and that you care about to say, you know, it didn't work this time or this is what's going on. And some people will just go, that's shit, I'm so sorry. You know, or, you know, well, I love you and I'm here for you and things like that rather than... It'll happen when it's meant to happen. That one's... Um, and, and it's weird because I look back now and I think Avery did come at the perfect <laughs> time, but that's not what we need. Yeah. And the, it sounds hypocritical again to say a lot of people will, will give you comparison stories. Oh, you're fine. My neighbour's daughter, she did this and then, she, and then it happened for her. Mm. You know, and, and those things, we're happy for them. But that's not me. The comparison, yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not something that's that's helpful. But that's, I think, that's how people are trying to help. And yes, so they have good intentions. It in comes that, from a sure. good place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is, of course, not comparable. But like often, um, if someone asks me, "Oh, are you seeing anyone?" and I'm like, "No," <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, don't worry, the right one will come along." Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> Like, you know it's coming from a good place. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you're like, this is just isn't helpful. Yeah, you're like, don't know. Yeah, obviously, that's not, like, on the same level. But, no, like, no, but it, it I is, get what you it mean. Is, I get what you mean, yeah. People are like, oh, you know, just relax and it will happen at the right time when I'm talking about fertility. Yeah. Those things are coming from a right place. But yes. I think until someone flags that maybe it's not the best thing to say people don't know any different so I think it's good to talk about so that people know okay so rather than saying that I can just acknowledge what you're going through that's right we're not well I wasn't telling people to get a fix or reassurance I just wanted to say it out loud or write it down to somebody and yeah yeah, just to have that that shit you know yeah what's next yeah, and I what think, do you need from here? Yes, how can I best support you right now? Yeah. Do you want to talk about it or shall we go for a walk? Or yeah, do you just right. need company? Yeah. You know, I think that asking people what they need is yeah. a really good one. And I think it's just always, just always be mindful that people may be going through it. And so I think questions like, so when are you going to have kids? You've been married for a while now. Don't you think it's time you started trying? Yeah, you know, you think I, I got a little bit of that, or you know, you, you do get swollen from the meds. Like, oh, are you pregnant? Oh, like, yeah. No. Just yeah, I think sometimes okay. taking a second to think before we blurt something yeah. out that again may be well intentioned. Yeah, and I mean, there's so many things that this falls under. We all do it. Yeah, we all do it. But I think yeah, if if we're looking for advice and you do know somebody, then yeah, just yeah, offering offering what they need. Yeah. I think um, I think that's a really good one. Um, looking back now, with hindsight over everything we've just talked about, how do you feel about what you've been through? Like when you reflect on it, what emotions it or what comes to mind? It depends what year I go back to. Yeah, it depends where I'm at because there's obviously that period in the middle where I still hold a lot of anger and resentment to the way that it was handled. Yeah. Um, and the fact, I guess, that it pushed me to the point of not even wanting to try anymore and giving up that hope when that place was supposed to be what helped, if that makes sense. Um, so I think, yeah, there was, there's a lot of negativity when I think of that particular, Mm -hmm. um, time and place. If I think to Dr. Lane or, 
you know, even I guess the start where, I, you know, things were looked into a bit deeper. Like, I'm just so grateful that we have these options. Yes. And yeah, I just... Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't be more grateful that it wasn't just, I guess, your body's not working, sorry. Yeah. We have yeah, these options we have these. if we choose to use them. Absolutely. And everyone, of course, you know, if they're going through... Um, any kind of problems with fertility, everyone's journey is going to be so different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we all come into uh, things in life from a different place, from everything that we've lived through and all of the experiences we've had as children, as teenagers and as adults. So everyone's journey is going to be different. But I do agree in terms of, you know, I do feel grateful to live in a place and in a time where medicine like the medical field has come to a point where we are able to have help in this space yeah and especially hearing you know everything that you went through and and the result in Avery and you know that's just you know I'm grateful that you've been able to whilst it was not an easy journey (laughs) by any means that that we've got to to where you are now and I remember when it was all over watching, uh, I think it was, was it Channel 9 put on a TV show um, called Big Miracles. And it follows, I think it was six different couples, so different backgrounds, different reasons for infertility, and it showed their process, so some successful, some not. <laughs> Something I probably I probably couldn't have watched when I was going through mm. the process, and but I could later, whereas I think some people might find it beneficial to watch if they're not sure, yeah. if they're encro- like approaching into that. Mm-hmm. You know, that world if they're about to do it it does explain it quite well medically um and you know following everyone and watching them get phone calls as well it can really make you understand I guess yeah the infertility world and yeah the, the treatment options so yeah it's good that that's out there now I think as well because it's the first show I've seen like it there might be more but yeah um, yeah it's just good that it's been spoken about more absolutely well Honestly, I feel like I have just learned so much, like not only about the IVF um, process and and obviously how up and down it can be and how much it really can affect your mental health, but I feel like I've learned a lot about you, someone who has been a stone's throw away from me realistically for most of my life. Um, so it's been, yeah, very eye-opening and I'm so grateful for you um, coming to join me and for being so open and sharing and genuinely you're going to help so many people that you have no idea, like you never know how far it goes and and knowing how many women out there are going through something like this and being able to listen in and feel a little bit less alone in their journey I think is going to be amazing. Thank you for having me. Of course. (laughs) Thank you for coming over and joining me in the kitchen. My pleasure. Um, If anyone wants to, if any of the Adelaide girlies want to find you and come and have their hair did, how can they find you? Okay. So um, I do have a page on Instagram, um, haven.est underscore salon. I'm in Torrensville. So yeah, if that helps. Definitely. And if anyone wants to get in contact with you, they can also drop into my DMs as well. And if you're happy, I can of course pass yeah. them along. Always happy to help anyone that needs the help with this process. Fabulous. Awesome. All right, guys, that is us done. I, I, again, I'm going to say I'm so excited because this is the first time I've recorded with a guest here in so long. So thank you guys for tuning in. 
please um, remember if you have two seconds to rate and review this podcast so it gets in front of more people and make sure you're like you've liked my page on Instagram um, and I look forward to bringing you some new episodes in the not too distant future. Alrighty guys, see you next time. Doey! If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Even better, if you know someone who might benefit from listening to it, please tell them all about it. You'll find more information from today's episode in the show notes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on High Tide, Low Tide, please email me at lisa, spelled L-E-E-S-A, at hightidelowtideau.com or DM me on Instagram at hightidelowtideau. See you next time.